Hello and welcome to the Jungle Brothers podcast. It's Joey here and today Paulie and myself are joined by Shane, one of the members at our gym. We are talking about our top tips that are going to help you to have success in the gym. This is just an open discussion about some of the things we observe where people tend to go wrong and this is really relevant whether you're doing CrossFit style stuff, you're in the movement realm, um, training at an outdoor gym or you're just rocking up to a commercial outfit and doing some workouts every now and again. Even if you're doing group classes somewhere, really general uh, kind of high level stuff that's going to help you to maximize gains in the minimum amount of time. Enjoy. I've got a question about the Carhartt stuff, because I just bought myself actually a Carhartt tool bag, which is Trey's nice. Oh. But yeah, I've got, I had my old tool bag from back in oh, the film oh, days, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. and I was like, fuck, I need somewhere with more compartments. I jumped on Amazon, there's all these mad Carhartt like, uh, like work stuff, yep. tool bags and shit. So I got one, and it was like, it looks like a piece of travel, like it looks like a piece of premium luggage. Like I could see a hipster. I could see you, Shana. Oh, I would do it, yeah. Walking around with it with like some accessories and shit. You know what yeah. I mean? It's a mad bag. It's got it's that brown color and everything. Beautiful. And I was like, you know, there's like the Carhartt work stuff, which you get in America. Yeah. Yep. And then there's what we get here, which is the real like expensive street stuff, fashion yeah. stuff. Um what's the deal? Because is there still that there's still that separation? I was surprised because I could buy this tool bag. Well, not that much money on Amazon, but from what I understand, you still can only get their shit yeah. at like the Maple Store and whatever. Yeah, we've only got Carhartts in that sense because like it's, a, it's an American brand and they bring it out. Like we get the stuff, but we only get like when it's been turned trendy. It's the same with Dickies. Like you get the Dickies, yeah. the workers' pants. Like I have a pair with like, it's all that doubled knee where it's like the strong knee for like if you're like leaning on stuff. like Laying like, carpet and shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they just, I think it's like streetwear is just taken over with it. Like they're just taking, it's like the same thing what's happening with like, um, like Patagonia and stuff like that. And like Solomon's, like I got some really nice trail running shoes, like Solomon ones, and I wore them to break him in. I walked into Newtown. I thought a guy wearing the exact same pair of sho- shoes. I'm like, mm, but he, mm, he wasn't mm. like trail running. He was just like wearing them to look cool. I'm like, fuck. Fuck this guy. Down. Yeah. Fuck me. Yeah. And I started resenting. I'm like, they're there for running. I'm like, no, he's just, he's doing his thing. But fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I feel like there used to be a, um, before the internet was what it was, there used to be like a, uh, like, you know, someone would travel to America and they'd come back, man, you can buy Carhartt shit so cheap over there. Yeah. It's like King G. You buy it at like Walmart, like our big W, you know, and you'd be like, oh, no way. But you couldn't, you couldn't access it. So then when you would go to a trendy streetwear shop and they're like, buy this Carhartt check shirt for $250, you were like, well, that's all that's on offer, whether you bought it or not. Yeah. But now that we know, because the internet shows all, I don't understand how fashion lines manage two different kind of lines of clothes. Like, do you know what I mean? Is the quality different or the manufacturing different? Like if you go on, I think there's a Carhartt site. I think there's two different times. One, you go onto it and I was like looking to buy some Carhartt and I think I got sent to American one and it's these guys on a farm. I'm like, yeah, that's not really. I could could go for it. I could go for the farm look. I I could do the farm look well, but no, yeah, I think I was looking for the wrong one and then I've had to go into like Iconic or something to find it. In the early days, I remember going onto the websites, like we're cotton on to Kaha being cheap over in the US and um, in the film industry, like it's workwear. And I went on online and bought a bunch of stuff, but you didn't know whether it was going to fit properly or whether it was good or what. And 
shipping was heaps and you were going to wait months for it. So then you'd buy a package of stuff and you'd spend like over a thousand bucks. You get a couple of pairs of shorts, a couple of pairs of pants, a bag and a jacket or something like that. Yeah. It was nice. It was a surprise yeah. when it came. Um, and then we realized in the, after the first shipment that everything's too big. Got to buy everything one size <laughs> down because the Americanos. Well, I had to start loading my measurements because I didn't know. Oh, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. And I started ordering pants and mm. I didn't know there was like a leg length thing. And some bro- like it doesn't matter if you got like the waist, you need to figure out what your leg length is. And because I've got like long legs, all my pants were like sitting up here. Three yeah, quarters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to know the inseam as well, so you know how low that's, you crotch. Yeah, that's, that's the thing rides. I was looking at. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Buying online is no joke, man. Yeah, man. You got to know your measurements. But that, yeah, that, that's the same with like all of the like what you were saying about uh, street cultures just take over. Like, look at Gucci, um, and obviously fucking. I don't know if it's just the bubble I live in, but hip-hop culture and rap culture, street culture, it just changes depending on who wears what when. And then all the kids... Louis is a big part of rap culture, isn't it? Yeah, and it was because they bought them all in the secondhand stores and wore them like they were kings. And fast forward to now, like they do street labels and that's what they do the best now. So they have... You look at their campaigns and it's marketed for hip kids. It's not marketed for... They've just done that collab with with Adidas. They do so many collabs now. Louis has, yeah. Oh no, Gucci, Gucci, Gucci. yeah, Gucci, Gucci. Yeah, it's funny. It does. <laughs> it sh- it shifts. It doesn't it? Yeah, big time. But they manage to when they do that. Do they also? I'm guessing they do preserve their original line because still, when you go to like, I remember like being in Hong Kong and you're like, ah, oh, this is what like the, this is all the luxury brands. This is all the shops for the luxury, and you see people and they're just spending on the, all the high end shit. We got some of those shops here, but then, you know, it's less concentrated. They must preserve that, hey? Yeah, 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 for sure. Surely. I mean, the, even the streetwear stuff for the kids is expensive. It's really expensive. But surely it's a way of, like, bringing in a younger generation to, like, the streetwear for the younger kids so then it gets in when they get older, they start affording the more expensive kind of... Oh, if they're affording the, <laughs> the youngest, the smaller stuff, it's still quite expensive. But they go up and start getting the bags, and all the, like, the jackets. Like, yeah. like you used to wear, like, Nautica shorts, Joe? Fucking earth I did. You know, now you've got Nautica luggage. You're older now. I right? don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I remember getting my auntie to sew a Nautica patch onto a pair of shorts I had that were like not branded. <laughs> I cut it off something. Auntie Penny? Auntie Penny. My mum my wasn't that flash with sewing. I was like, Auntie Penny, can you put this patch? And she said, oh, I can do that easy. I was like, oh, legend. <laughs> I want to start doing that because Carhartt is just a little square patch. Just a great right. patch. Just get heaps of those and, and put it on it. everything. Yeah. There you go. Instant, look, up. instant look good. Yeah. I've been watching um, Alone. You guys oh, watched I any did. of that? I love Alone. It's cool, yeah. right? Yeah. No. I'm not far into it. Worth it. SBS on demand. It's all there. What is it? It's kind of like Naked and Afraid, except oh, yep. they're just, uh, they're solo. You mentioned it to me the other week. That's yeah. Right. It's, it's really, I mean, it, it's very similar to Naked and Afraid. I Slightly love Naked Slightly different and conditions, but... And the, the deal is it's last person standing wins. And they don't know when other people leave. So they're, they're like five miles from each other contestant okay. in a place. Um, yeah. And so it's just you just keep surviving until someone comes and tells you, hey, you're the last one. Congratulations. You win half a million dollars or a million bucks. But, um, but there's a girl. She's, she's got like this. Uh, she's got like the full... Um, Kind of like a, like rubber kind of suit. It's like bib and brace, bright yellow, and then jackets. This Carhartt piece, but it's fully waterproofed out. I'm like, that looks sick. If I was in North America, I'd get one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that show's great. 
It's yeah, the, the, the end. The only, the only thing they like see people is when the doctors come to like, are you too sick or are you like malnourished or we've got to get you out of here. Mm, mm. And then otherwise that and like they won't see anyone till like they come. So is one episode one challenge with five people? No, it's one ongoing thing for a season. Yeah, yeah. one winner at the end. So it kind of just goes between about like there might be like say eighteen people. Yeah, it goes between all them. It kind of at the start, I think they just pick who is the most entertaining. Yeah, and then some like you'll fight when like when someone gets kicked off, and then like it just has a couple of people. Sometimes you might not see a person for a whole episode. Yeah, yeah, and yep. they might come in in a couple like later ones because they're doing something. Like the one I just watched, the guy, this one guy was just in every episode because he was just a boist. Yep, a boist. A boist. People do some fucking cool stuff, don't yeah. they? Because they're semi-trained, hey, like naked and afraid. Yeah, got some sort of background in yeah. SAS or something. Yeah. Like survival training of some essence, um, foraging. A lot of them, are like foraging will get you far. Just yep. being able to pick berries. Because it's like half the time they can't even hunt. Like can, but... Hunting kills not too big, many calories. Not a big feature, is it, hunting? Yeah, yeah. At least not from what I've seen. Yeah. Yeah, it's more like can you, can you, get, can you catch a fish? Can you get some shellfish? Yeah. Can yep. you find, yep. you know, mice or something? Depending where they are, yeah. Because I remember Naked Afraid, like... You have to balance the calorie output. So you're like, oh, am I going to chase this thing down or not? I think hunting works better with yeah. tribe, yeah. with a few people. Yeah. Well, um, yeah so it really makes you understand too, like, like macro, macronutrient um, balance and like how much like just fat. Like if they didn't get fat, like they, some people like this one guy just got caught heaps of stuff, but there was no fat on it. It was just protein, like solid. It was like lean. I think it was like a rabbit or something. Like ra- he just kept getting rabbits. And because there was no fat, he just – Constantly would just get protein and then he started getting really skinny and sick and they had to get rid of him. All right, like, there's wow. a point where you can get like energy from it, like from yep. protein, but not to that point. I thought you could actually just live with just protein. But this guy was just like, he's like, I need fat. He was just getting so thin. I'm like, oh, daddy. Did you ever watch the show, um, is it Life Below Zero? Which was... No. Um, it, it followed a few key people who lived um, in the Arctic Circle. So they're in like, I guess they're in Alaska, like northern Alaska. And so they live, you know, technically within the Arctic Circle. So I think it's like below zero latitude or something like that. Um, or maybe it's just a reference to how fucking cold it is. But really cool show. But there was, there was one couple they would follow and it was, a, it was like a maybe a Canadian or Alaskan guy who had married an Inuit woman. And they had a family together, had a few kids. And they lived in like... Like, it's amazing. They live in, like, this little... Kind of like a little shack. And it's just on this open plain of ice and snow. And all he does is... Or all they do is hunt. And so they... And it's all about storing food. So they would store... Um, they have shitloads of fish. They have shit... They have, like, whale meat. Like, if they're able to catch a whale, you know, with a group, if everyone will take a bit of whale. And then they just have these stores of frozen food that they keep outside... And then they just like grab a frozen fish off the off the timber shelf, and like that's dinner tonight. But they um, mm. they, they just chop up the frozen stuff, and then they would sit down on their floor with the family, and they would just kind of it almost looked like a really rough plate of sashimi. It's just like this fish just hacked up into little sections. But um, because their diet is so high in protein, they have to go. They have to travel to another place where they can trade the protein for seal blubber. And because they, because they run into illness if they don't get the fat. Yeah. So every year, or like they have to have a constant supply of the seal blubber. And that would, I think they would, that would be kind of liquid. So they would be eating the frozen, the frozen f- fish and then like just kind of downing 
handfuls of the seal blubber and that was how they were able to digest it and balance out the diet. See, people probably listen to that and think, that's fucking disgusting, but that appeals to me so much. I just want to have some of that yeah. fish and that Dip maybe a bit of hot water with the blubber, like a little soup. Oh, yeah. You know? A bit of salt. It's sashimi. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you look <laughs> at their life, it's fucking hard. It's hard, but, you know, <clears throat> but it was also awesome. They're also, like, out on a, on a skidoo, like, trying to hunt foxes and shit on the, on the ice plains. You know, and like he's got a rifle and, you know, they go on little hunting trips. Yeah, it's wild shit. Sled dogs and all that. Quite a, like amazing existence. I'd love that. I'd love to go like just spend time with them and just kind of get some like conditioning in that sense. Just kind of like get turned into a bit of a bit of a beast in that sense. Like just hardened a man. Yeah. Instead of going to up the road to my sushi train and just sitting there and just getting my <laughs> sashimi on like a little carousel, just like handing it to me going, thank you. <laughs> Is this one of the premium plates? Yeah. <laughs> you turn but, this air conditioner up a little bit. Yeah, cold but isn't here. but isn't that isn't that the 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 paradox that uh, you know we can't figure out? Like there's there's such an appeal in that, and I think particularly for a, for a male, you're like yes, wilderness, self reliance, you know, just me and the elements, making it work, you know, like my ancestors did. Um, but then the reality is it's really nice to have comfort and it's yeah. lovely to be able to go and get sushi when you want it. And like, so in a way, like I remember thinking that when I was, um, I went through a stage as a teenager where I really wanted military experience. I didn't want to join the army. I just wanted to be in like, uh, like I wanted to go through the training to be able to have that capability of, of looking after myself you know, I think I probably yeah. watched too many Commando films and shit, and I'm like, that's what I need to do. Arnold Schwarzenegger Commando. That's yeah. what made you want to do. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Dutch. But, but do you know what I mean? Like, so, so there's that appeal, and some of us find it in small ways. But I think something like Alone shows you that, okay, here, all the U18 contestants, here you are. Yeah. This is what you wanted. Yeah. And then there's people tapping out on the first night because they're like, fuck, I heard a coyote. I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the reality. And then there's people that don't look like they want to tap out. They're like, I finally got this. Like, I want to, like, keep experiencing this. And like, yeah, it's time to go. And they're like, yeah, cool. Okay, thanks. Spewing. I do remember on the first season when the guy who won, they, um, they're like, they, like, step to him. They're like, he's like, oh, shit, there's a boat pulling up. And then they're like, hey, man, um, you're the last contestant you won. And he's like, whoa, he's, like, a bit shell-shocked. And he hasn't seen anyone for whatever it was. And then, I don't know, they, you know, it's who knows with the editing. But then his wife steps off the boat and she like rolls up to him. She's like, hey, baby. And he's like, oh, hey. And, and you're like, fuck, man. Like, I, I wouldn't have taken his wife to see him there. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't that, ready. Yeah, he wasn't ready. Like, he needed some time to process and shit. Um, but it looked, it looked like, like he wasn't, a, you know, he, he wasn't able to, yeah, to, to be like, oh, it. my God, it's so good to see you, you know, like that I'm sure would have come later. Um, but yeah, I found that really, I found that really interesting. It seemed like it didn't quite work out right. How many days are we talking? Do you think? Oh, they, it gets to a point. There's they've started like it goes oh, later in the later seasons. Don't give have, too much away in terms of it's it's like a outcome. structure of the episode. So later in like I think I know season five or something, they add the million dollar challenge where you have to last like if you can last over I think it's over like a hundred days or something, you get a mm. million dollars, but you have to win it. So I think. I watched one where someone lasted 70-something days. Fuck. Which is insane. Like, you, it's part of it is like, yes, you have to forage, you have to gather all this stuff, you have to live there, make shelter, but then you have to be okay with being like, 
purely alone. Psychologically. Some of these these people, like, yeah, they just train survivalists, but they have never been away from someone for that long, like humanity and having to do it. They'll always have someone with them, but they're purely alone. So it's like a test on their mental... I'd imagine if there was just a small skerrick of of yourself that you weren't at peace with, that would just be amplified so hard when you're alone. Your demons would just come out. Just come out. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fucking... And at the same time, I'd say again, it somewhat appeals to me that I want to. Tra- yeah. I'm like, can I take myself? I I don't have any fucking survival training there. I'd have to get it. As long as you make it past one night, you're good. Anyone okay. that taps I'm out good. on the first night, you're like, come on. Yeah. There was a guy on this season who was like, because they show footage of them like before they go on the trip, and he's like at home with his family shit. And he's like, shit, motherfucking bears, better look out for me. Like, you know, like someone come save that bear. And then like literally on the first night, he like gets a whiff of a bear and he's like, I'm fucking out of here. Oh, Yeah, and you're, and you're like, bro, why did you say that shit? Like it's on camera, you know? Yeah. He's American. There's a guy yeah. in a different no. way and he was like walking along some slate. Yeah. First day, he was just like, all his interviews were so cocky. Walks along some like a little bit of uneven slate or rock or something and just slips over, breaks his leg and he's just like, oh, damn it. It's done. I got to call him. I was like, oh, that... Oh, that must feel bad. He's like, I trained ages for this. I'm like, oh, you poor guy. Fucking hell. Yeah, that happened on Naked and Afraid a few times. Well, it sounds like the level of contestants on this alone show is higher, higher skill than Naked and Afraid. I don't think so. No, Naked and Afraid, because they do that scoring thing, don't they, where they show you what survival... Yeah, that's right. They give them the survival rating. Yeah, that's right. With... um, with Alone, they, they, they seem to all have some kind of background, but then they also go through a selection process where they have to pass some, some tests. So they've got to be able to build a shelter and that sort of stuff. Yeah. I think probably what the impression I'm getting is as the seasons have gone on, the contestants have gotten more and more high-skilled. Yeah. I think the terrain's changing too. I think it gets more like severe. I think because there's going to be an Australian one, which is going to be interesting because I think if it's in the desert... Or like in our North like, Bondi, yeah, yeah. but um, our trees are a lot harder than um, American trees to cut down to like use, and we don't have necessary because like how they build their shelters too are very like they're very straight pines, so they can just make structures out of that. Whereas our trees, like you look at a squiggly gum or something, and they're not straight. No straight lines. Straight on so that. Di- our bush is so different to yeah. North American bush. I I've never spent time in North American bush. I really want to, but I was just having this conversation with my son. Because we were watching some Star Wars and he was like, oh, I wish we had a forest like that near our house. And we just got into this conversation because they watch these movies that have these forest landscapes. And I was just pointing out to him that it's very, like we don't have that anywhere near here. Like it's very different to over there. Yeah. But yet how you'd survive over here, like I think it's, it's massively different. They, were just they wouldn't know the species here. Yeah, heat exhaustion. Wouldn't know how to find water. Yeah. North America looks so rich. I mean, yeah, it's... I don't know. It gives and it takes, doesn't it? Like, yeah. you look at the, the first two seasons of Alone is in Canada on Vancouver okay. Island, yeah. but it, it, it's wet the whole time. Ugh. And so then there's mould issues and... Hypothermia. There's, there, there's trees falling constantly because the roots can't hold on to anything. So, so, like, yeah, you got water, potential water supply, like, there's all the benefits. Um, soft, softer timbers, maybe a bit, a bit more workable... But then, you know, you might get taken out fucking or your clothes get mouldy and eaten. Or what, you know what I mean? Where, yeah, so it's like there's no – I mean, maybe there is, but there seems to be no perfect kind of place. Every yeah. place has yeah. some pluses but a bunch of cons. That was the thing with the Brits, I think, when they first 
trying to build ships over here and stuff, they'd break all their saws and all their hand tools on the working out hardwoods because the timber's just so hard. So they had to, I don't don't know what the fuck they did, but it makes it even more impressive that the Aboriginals were able to, you know, build an entire civilization from these timbers and whatnot with tools that seemingly weren't as advanced, Mm. but in their own way were. Um, you jumped on training recently. Mm-hmm. I wanted to. We're going to talk training today, but I wanted to get into um, a little update on where that's at. You're Harry Williams' new boy. Yes, I guess so. I am. Does that make Dylan your mortal enemy? No, Dylan is not because Dylan is also being coached yeah. by Harry Williams. Yeah, and I said I. I was looking around. I think we spoke on the podcast about it at the time. Remember, and Harry messaged while we we're on the podcast, oh, yes. waiting for him to get back to me. Anyway. Yeah, I said to I said to Dylan, I was looking around, and uh, he was a, a good match. And I was like, "Bro, is this going to be awkward?" And he's like, "No, like Dylan, that's Dylan." He's like, "Man, it's going to be great. Like, I get to see yours. We get to train together. We get to discuss, you know, how he does things." And Dylan's just that type of guy. There's just like it's Glass all, is always half full. It's always bright and sunny. So, <laughs> um, nah, it's mad. So, I mean, I haven't really started. I got my program given to me, and I've gone over it. I haven't watched all the videos and I was just saying to you before the podcast started, I'm going to do that this weekend and, you know, try and lay it across my weekly timetable and kick off next week. Um, so, yeah, it's happening. How many days of training do you know? Four. Four. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Which is, yeah, I, I, I kind of said, you know, I'd love to do some training. Um, you know, he's a five or six day a week guy. Um, and I said, this is what I can do. You know, can we, can we make this happen? He was like, yeah, I can. Um, but yeah, there's four sessions there. They look about three hours long each. <laughs> <laughs> it just goes for pages and it goes up to like E1, E2. Oh, nice. And like so, like a bunch of them are like three-piece supersets. Okay. A1, A2, A3. So now, A1, you start, B2. so now you're starting this. So what's your training outlook? Like what are your goals? I see you're doing like a lot of like body weight stuff, but then you're also doing starting stuff with Harry. Are you um, saying Paul's spreading himself thin, bro? Not necessarily. I just yeah, want to yeah. see. I just want to see what his outlook is <laughs> yeah. like. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like to, I just <laughs> only see it at a glance. No, well, like part of the reason why I was looking for a coach is because the last few months it fell apart a little bit. So it was just I wasn't. I needed to outsource my programming and talk to someone to give me some direction because I got too busy, got sick in the middle there. When I came back, I just wasn't as motivated, and I just kind of lost my way a little bit. Um, and I realized that I hadn't had a coach. I was like, fuck, I should definitely get a program from someone. And then it just kind of spiraled from there. So I started looking for a program and then it was looking for a coach then going, I've never had a coach like this. And then boom, I got Harry asking me the same thing. So what are your goals? And I'm like, I'm well, good question. So first and foremost, I just wanted to get some outsourcing going on. Got a lot of things going on. Just need someone to put my journey in their hands a little bit. Good coaches have a coach. Yep. One of the best lines. Yep. Who said that? Me. Me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was just a bit of that. So when he asked, I was like, man, I'm, I'm actually like, you know, people go to him for very specific things like one arm handstand and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I just want some, probably just some good old strength and movement training. And after, and then he, you know, went further on to go for short term, long term goals. So short term, um, there's some ring stuff in there. There's some body weight training in there and mobility. But long-term, I'd like to do some soft acro stuff and dunk the basketball, which I might have spoken to you about, which is 
basically just how I frame exploring my athletic capabilities further in my 40s and trying to like go for it a little bit. So, because we've touched on that a bit, you want to get more into that kind of explosive, yes. the plyometric yeah. style yeah. things, that yeah. like the aerobic energy, like yeah, the, uh, and anaerobic stuff, just like be more, more explosive. You just dunk, yeah, yeah, like for me, but also because I'd like to work with people on that level and obviously bring that to the gym here for whoever needs it. Um, maybe program for the fighters in here because no one's really doing that specifically. So, people who are in comps here, whether it's striking or otherwise, but um, yeah, so it's kind of going in that direction. Uh, at the moment but I'm I'm really like I said to him I'm happy to go with it do some foundational stuff and I'm pretty easy going I ultimately want a healthy body and to keep moving and to be able to try new things and yeah so it's kind of going like that yeah, awesome it's always good to see coaches that yeah do get coaches because I, I found it quite hard in like about four years ago when because I came from like a, just a, a pure bodybuilding background just taught myself off youtube would just walk around the gym and ask questions and then when it came to the point of me just kind of stagnating or like not just kind of starting getting injured more i had to kind of someone's like why didn't you get a coach and then it was just a big ego thing for me to kind of realize that i'm not very good at what i do (laughs) i don't know what i'm doing i've taught myself so i need to kind of outsource and for my personal benefit is to kind of outsource and learn so i can be the best semi-best well i you know and that's a really good point because also i need to i've been wanting to continue my education in in training in whichever area that is um just to keep evolving my knowledge base on that um and training alone is it's limited like whether you're you're watching things and you research and you train in the gym yourself but also, I'm there because Harry's done a bunch of shit and I would like to see his perspective on it and he can provide way more information on lots of different disciplines because he, um, well, he's, he's done a bunch of shit. Um, here's a question. Mm. Actually, before, Shano, um, on your mic, you can uh, keep that baby moving with you. If you turn to Paulie, just try and stay on the end of that sucker. Cool beans. Just so we get you nice and loud. Um, here's a question. Yeah. So looking at that style of training and... You know, for for people listening in, like the movement approach, handstands, bodyweight strength, rings, mobility, bit of weightlifting and stuff, that yep. whole thing. What is it about that that you want to experience for yourself? Me? Yeah. So when you look at someone, like say when you look at it, if you were to watch... I can answer this. Okay, like going. a highlight video of Harry's training. Yeah. Like, or Will. Will, Will Grant. One yep. arm handstand, fuck front leg. What do you? What do you? What I don't do you want, want any of that. I don't want any of that. And I wrote it in there. My my long term goal is, like, I would like to be a lot more mobile, and I love. I want options. So at the moment, I can't play in areas that I want to play in. So in the short term, I want to get stronger and more flexible, but I also want that in the long term. So here's an example. I think. I would love to play in the areas that Alan plays in, but I can't because I'm not mobile enough. And that is the saddest thing for me. I hate when over the years I want to try things that he's doing. I can't even try them. I can't reach behind me, load my shoulder in that semi backbend and cartwheel over my shoulder because I don't have the mobility, the mechanics don't work and it's silly. I probably could, you know, and, you probably could work a way around it and stuff like that, but I don't. I don't wish to. I, I really want to go and get more mobile. Oh, so I want to play in that. That's why it's soft acro for me. That's what appeals to me, right? Because for me, 
I, I don't like, you know, I don't love handstands and I don't love a lot of that stuff. I like the playing element. I like the movement things. I love fighting monkey stuff. Yeah. And I love what Alan's doing now. Have you seen this new guy that he went to Rome for? Pelosia, Pelosia or something like that? Nah. Bro, this guy is crazy. He like the type of stuff that he's doing. He was ex Edo way back in the day. And now he's gone and involved it. And this guy is more um, explosive parkour background. Oh, right. And now he's taking a lot of those concepts and he's like put it on turbo charge. So a lot of this stuff is like parkour, soft acro, elasticity stuff. I, I just really love that type of thing. So first and foremost, I, yeah, I, I don't. So when I looked at that, I was like, why am I going to Harry if I don't see him putting all that out? Um. Well, I thought I had a chat to him about it, just a back and forth, and I, I just believe that he – once you – I think that he's a good coach and, it, and whether he does a lot of that stuff or not, um, he does do soft acro, which is cool. And um, I saw, saw some of the stuff through Dylan. I thought, oh, cool, this is enough for me. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of a, hey, I didn't want to keep looking for the perfect coach. I'm like, boom, let's do this for, for three months plus, see where it goes. Um, but I'm not really going for that. I'm not doing the one-arm chins and the one-arm handstands. Like, I didn't even ask for handstand stuff at all, but crept in there and now I'm doing HSPUs. Oh, yeah, you are. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Reason but I yeah, ask is that... It is does, that, it does. But I would challenge maybe the, the view of what is it they're doing that, that is appealing. Because, say, I look at that and I'm not... And I, I don't care for those movements either anymore, like... Mm. One arm chin ups and one arm hand says, I don't care. Mm. But I, I look at, I can look at the training of someone like Harry or someone like Will and mm. go, man, I'd love to have that freedom. Yes. I would love to have that ability. Yeah. I would love, some, sometimes you can, I can look at it and go, I would love to have that discipline yep. to be doing that fucking two hour training session off the back of a three hour sleep, you know, yep. you know, cause I just don't fuck with that anymore. Yeah. Um, and and so I guess yeah that that's my challenge is like is there do you does that does that vibe with you where you're like oh well yeah it's the it's more the the benefit of being that of doing that kind of thing versus what specific movement am I working on nah yeah no for me it's I'm very clear in my head I don't want that the reason why I want freedom basically I want freedom to play in any domain that I want to. And the domain that I want to play in, I can't play in. Like I said, that that tears me up inside. So I know that I need a back bridge. I know that I need to be strong over here and I'm not. And that's why I was like, let's do handstands. I don't care. He does handstands. I'll get really strong in the bent arm overhead position. Six months later, I'm moving closer to where I want to go. We're doing, I'm doing back bend and... Do you know what I mean? So I, I kind of I, I, – it's online, so I didn't go really that deep with him, but I agreed on the goals based on what I know about the body and how it's – I know – I'll just say let's do hands and push-ups because I know that it's going to get me closer to where I want to go, but I know what you mean. I'm not looking for the movements, and I was pretty clear about that with my long-term goals, but I also had to meet him and mention some movements. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's too – it'll turn into – well, it has to funnel down to some yeah, yeah, we deliverables. To, yeah, we're going to anchor it somewhere. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'd like to do that. It's, would, mm. uh, yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's an interesting kind of thing to examine because 
you know, with like with the gym when people come in and, you know, we've typically asked like, oh, what are your goals? And a lot of the time it's like, I don't know what my goals are. I just see what's happening here and I would kind of like to feel like what I imagine some of these people feel like. Yeah. You know, like see that person there that's killing. I don't know what they're doing, but they look like they're having fun, feel really energetic, are strong, look good. I would like a taste of that, you know? And so it's, um, and I find in the movement world, it's, it's, you know, for good reason, very fixated on particular movements. Whereas uh, maybe there's more relatability when it's fixed on these qualities or these overarching kind of benefits of the thing. Yeah, I think um, that's... Oh, well, I listened to that podcast with Ido and Huberman. Oh, yeah. I your, tried. I tried. Guy. Yeah, it wasn't the best one that he's done. Yeah. But, um, you know, he, kept, he said it many times and it's true. Like, And I, I, I kind of see that... I don't watch him that closely, but I'm sure he's evolved away from the idea that everyone's fixated on movements and he's like trying to be less about fixation on movements more and more. And he was like, everyone's trying to do movements training. And I was like, that's so true. And I've, I, yeah, that's so true. Movements training instead of movement training. (laughs) And I was like, that's a great one. And actually I I, I use that. I've used it since because it's, it's true. Like you do get fixated on, on movements but it's you know you got to focus at some point to, to to training towards some goal yeah you know even in the movement yeah in the movement continuum but it's and those movements that everyone's fixated on do represent a whole bunch of shit yeah. like they're the big movements because of the benefits that call come inside with it i would say like i i agreed to do the the, the handstands and sure, let's do some, what do you call it? Press, press drills because I need pancake mobility. So I want it because I want the pan- I want to do pancake stuff for the next six months. And I also want my shoulders to be great and to be able to go over the top of my shoulders. Do you know what I mean? So to me, and all my goals of movement represents capacities. Yeah, yeah. That's why I always, I go for movements where I look inside of it. That's why I like the rings because I've always had shitty shoulders and I see them as what gives me the best health for my shoulders long term. So I'm like, I'll, I'm now dedicating myself towards the rings because it just means that I've always got, you know, good shoulders type of thing. Um, but yeah, movements training movements versus training. movement training. I think, um, and yeah, I mean, there's truth to that. I do also think that Master Ito uses it as a as a way to maintain his position at the top of the hill. The hierarchy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, it's a bit of an elitist thing because he's training he's training movements. It's just that he chooses to take a, it's choosing to view it through a more philosophical, intellectual lens. Yeah. But you're like, whatever. The training you did today was a collection of movements, was it not? You are aiming to develop those key movements, are you not? So, you know, arguably it's he did all the bodyweight stuff that, you know, the presses and the levers and the 360 pulls. And then when he decided that wasn't cool anymore, he just started rolling around on the floor more and doing the elastic stuff. So he's a movement gatekeeper. Well, yeah, you know, and, and everyone, you know, yeah. I mean, so, you know, so to be clear, like, I, you know, what he said is true and it makes sense. But I do also think, yeah, it's like if you boil it down, it's exercising. Oh, he'd be saying, you're so wrong, Joe. Oh, he'd he be would, ripping me to shreds right now. 
you know. It's not exercising, it's living, it's moving. Yeah. Um, well, that's a nice way for us to segue into the uh, topic of today's discussion, which is I want to discuss some tips that will enable people to get more success from their time spent in the gym. And I, this conversation is the person that I have in mind is training in our gym. They are training in a CrossFit gym. They're training uh, in, a, in a commercial gym or the outdoor, you know, just doing their own thing. But it's someone that's like, yeah, I'm investing time in training and I'm trying to get something out of it. I think we are in agreement that anyone that's doing that shows up to the thing each day or every two days because they want to get something from it. And so I thought if we could just frame a bit of a chat around what some of these key things are that will help people get the most out of that. Now, getting the most out of that is enjoyment, but also getting results on time invested. Um, and a good opening point, which goes very much to the direction of what we just discussed with Paul, was to follow a plan. Talk to me about following a program. Talk to me about like what drew you to train with Harry versus not where you were coming up with your own stuff. Because I think that that's really the... That's really the point. That's the that's the thing there where it's like, fuck, I'll, I'll let you finish it. Oh, well, as I said before, my training was, it was just a bit all over the place at the time. I had a program like, you know, every four to six weeks, I'd have a plan, write a program of training with Sue's, most of, most of that program. Um, but, you know, it kind of came apart. I guess I lost a bit of inspiration and got a bit busy and it just occurred to me that I needed to talk to someone. Like I found myself going, hey, what are you doing? Oh, hey, yeah, no, I'm kind of doing this thing. And I realized I actually just want to have someone who will talk to me about what I'm doing and filter through and ask me what my goals are and then challenge me on that and then figure out a better plan. And uh, ultimately I feel so much more <laughs> engaged and I haven't even fucking started. Um but yeah, I guess I got drawn in because of because of that. I I wasn't being the most efficient. I, my goals weren't that clear. Um, so I wanted to really sharpen up, you know, which direction I was heading. What about you, Big Shana? Well, I just want to touch on that point. When when you when your goals aren't that clear, just in like a place where like Jungle Bros, when there's everyone around is just doing something really cool, and you're just like, okay, that guy's doing a press handstand, like. Oh, okay, I could add some of those into my workout. I could do some of this. Or you see someone doing like the middle splits. You're like, all right, I would have put some of that in. And it just, you get to the point, like I found myself like maybe last year, but I, was, I had a kind of like a big array of things on different days that really just didn't focus in on each other. Like the nothing really complemented each other. It was just, <laughs> it was it was disgusting. Like a mishmash yeah. of yeah. exercises. Without like truly what I wanted, I was like, I want to have that cool thing. I want to have that cool thing. And it just turned out I wanted a bunch of like cool tricks, but none of them benefited me in like a physical manner. Like it was just kind of like more of an ego thing where I'm like, I want all these cool things for Instagram or something. So I just, I just pushed it back and just like, all right, I need to back problems. All right. So I need to focus on my deadlift because my back is always fine with that strength. My squats always been terrible. So I wanted to focus on those two on different days so I could do like accessory work around them. And then I just I push and pull day just to keep my upper body strong, but not too focused on that. So I just three days found that fine. But then I was like, okay, that's my body healthy in that sense in like resistance training. And I was like, okay, now I need some aerobic stuff. 
because I wanted to like get from all that we're learning about all the benefits of aerobic activity. So I'm like, I want to add some of that in. And now I've got BJJ mm-hmm. and now it's happening again because I want to go swimming and rock climbing. So <laughs> I just sit myself down, have a little meditation and just figure out exactly the key things I want. That's, I mean, that is, and, and this goes to one of the other points that I had here, which is uh, don't try and do it all at once. That's it. And I think we've, we've spoken about over the years, Paul T and myself, about how this gym can really curse you in that way because there's so many people in here doing such a diverse range of cool things that you feel drawn towards wanting to do them all. But the, the surefire way to not succeed with them is to try to do them all, which means then that if you're looking for success, you have to be selective. And that means you have to be comfortable with putting certain things on ice or maybe sacrificing something altogether and saying, okay, well, I'll have a look at that down the track. Um, has that been something like that sacrifice piece? Is that something that you've now come to? Yeah. So uh, in a, like in uh, one of my uni units was uh, advanced strength and conditioning and they just like he harped on, it's a big thing in strength and conditioning, it's just periodization. So you don't necessarily have to cut it out it's just that there might be, a, if you've got like an end goal, there might be a time and place to do more strength training before you get into a phase of like more aerobic. It doesn't mean you like will lose all the stuff. Like you can still maintain that muscle mass from strength training by doing like, they said like for our age, one ninth the workload or you have to do a month like one ninth the volume that you'd previously do. So like I just have to do one day of like a little bit of work just to maintain that and then really focus on like, yeah, my skill work like um, with like BJJ and like, just going for runs and swimming more and get my aerobic capacity up. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So like a maintenance day. Yeah. Yeah. Just the maintain. Yeah. It's exactly it. Maintenance. Yeah. And have you, have you put that into practice yourself? Not yet. So after my whole, my holidays were pretty much just like maintenance, everything. Yeah. Just kind of chilling out, not putting too much pressure, just doing a bit of strength stuff. So I'm going to start, it's going to be hard to start turning down that maintenance of that strength. Cause I just generally do it. Love it. Um, as soon as I see like a, a tuck shirt Joey post with him doing the front squat, I'm like, yeah, my front squats could go, probably give it a go. I haven't tested them in a while. Okay. <laughs> so go down to the yeah, local 24-7. Yeah, just need to reel it in. Just <laughs> be conscious of my goals and more write them out and figure out truly what I want and then just stick to them and adhere to them. Um, I, I'm, I would say that I've been the worst over all the years. With the, I've been the do-all all the time. Really, until last year, <laughs> or yeah, until COVID, I've yeah, you know, embarrassingly so. And then I owned it. I was like, "That's who I am." I do the Jungle Brothers method all week, and I the, the tide rises on all columns slowly. <laughs> all over the years shall flow. Yeah, like slowly. Like I've done that. I haven't done this column up while this one's down, then bring this column up. I've just gone all at the same time. But yeah. <laughs> so a slow progression can be done. So you're saying I shouldn't change what I'm doing. And just I don't know. <laughs> no, I would I do it? Probably it's not the most effective way to do it. There's a point of diminishing returns. Yeah. And but yeah. it can be done. Energy expenditure-wise, it's just too hard to do it all. Yeah, like, like I, would, I can't focus on But I wasn't else. doing it all at the same intensity. I yeah. was doing it all at low intensity. All the way. I kind of, maybe I've just written this in my head, but that's kind of what I think I've done over the last years. Plus, here's the other thing that we haven't really mentioned is like, you're, people don't know that you're doing, are you doing sports science? Exercise physiology. Exercise physiology. And just as coaches and first years of coaching, you're constantly finding out new things and wanting to try and experiment them yourself. 
right, at the yeah, same time. That's it. So that's part of it for you is when you learn shit, you want to go and train that. Or like I learned something or I'm trying to help a client out and I've come up with this problem. I've discovered this new type of training. So it always fucks up my training because I'm like, oh, I'm going to try this. So I'm going to – do you know? Yeah. So anyway, I've come to this point now where I'm like I'm actually sacrificing consciously certain things to to put my ducks in order and like, you know, I've had a number of kind of injuries and the busier you get or you, know, you have some kids or whatever, yeah. the less time you have and it helps you – actually have to ask those questions and separate and have priorities and stuff as well yeah and it's just because there's so much like misinformation out there too that people feel that they must they have to do a certain amount of training to kind of succeed in a certain goal like say five days i used to go like six days a week two hours three hours a day just like absolutely just like i was young so my body would take it like handle it but now getting to like yeah getting to like 30s it's just like I just can't do that many days. But it also, like, even the data shows, like, instead of five's not – like, comparing five days and three days, you get way more benefit in doing, like, a three-day split of anything in, like, strength training in comparison to five. And you just, it's just diminishing returns, as you said, if you go so high. Yeah, it's a um, – it definitely comes with maturity, doesn't it? Like, the, the ability to do less and know that it's, it, it's extracting more for you. Um, I think the – it, 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 a similar expression is with the putting on muscle or getting rid of body fat. And if you think back to the episode we did with Luke Tullock where he said the easiest way to build muscle is to always, like, if you want to get big, he said you do a bulking phase and then you do a cutting phase. He said you can put on muscle and burn fat at the same time, but it's slow. He said, so the easiest way is always to bulk just as one single thing and then cut. And so I kind of see it very much the same with training. Yeah. I think too that there's a mentality that goes like with each of those different things. Um, so if, say if you think with the training, there's a mental load in, okay, I want to spend three days a week developing my handstand. I'm also chasing down these mobility goals. I'm weightlifting and I want to get three jiu-jitsu classes a week and I want to be getting better at jiu-jitsu. There's a huge mental load in jumping from the mobility person who's trying to search for range and feel what the body's experiencing and then putting the hat on of jiu-jitsu guy, now I'm in the fire, trying to learn these techniques and also kick ass and not get choked out. Like, Whereas if you just embrace, hey, I'm just going to do jiu-jitsu and pump weights for a while. you know, yeah. It's like, okay, cool, less mental load, less to think about dive deep six months later okay pull back on the weightlifting now that you know potentially so i really think there's um i think it makes it easier on on your like sort of on your brain if you simmer it back one thing that i i never thought about until the recent years was um just the idea of thinking about the year of training so like when it comes to a plan is like how's the year gonna go um, and when you've got all those focuses, I just found that really helped me think about the whole thing and being okay with putting things on the shelf, knowing that I'm going to visit them later on in the year type of thing. But having that yearly plan or the six months and this is what I'm going to do and then next year I'm going to do that. And uh, for me, I, I always have to write a little story for myself on what I'm doing in my life or into my training or anything like that and that really helps me 
Because people yeah. ask me all the time and I, I'll like reinforce a, that all the time. Like a little story about how things happening in the future for you? Yeah, just like little narratives I need. Oh, that's what we're doing. Okay, cool. Going to Fiji and up until we go to Fiji, I'll be doing this. And then when I get back, I'm doing this. Yeah. And then in summertime next year, I'll start doing this. And it kind of, it's just kind of planning, you know. And the, anyway, the training over the year. And I mean, these days we've all got fucking stuff on our calendars even now there's stuff on our calendars for the next year when it comes to training like there's only eight phases in a year or whatever you know of this kind of four to six week blocks yeah Yeah, so you got a trip in the middle of that and you've got another trip at the end of that and it just gets filled out really quick yeah and it helps that you can see it ahead in the future and maybe yeah it helps you put things on ice for, for later um, when you when you have that long term perspective, I suppose. Yeah. That's, That's there was a cool conversation I had um, with Emmett. I mean, he mentioned a very similar thing on the podcast. Can't remember where he came up with the idea, but he was talking about viewing viewing your training as something that is tied in with the seasons. Mm. And so he's like, "Well, there's periods where it's going to be colder, and perhaps you're not going to have as much energy as you do in the summer." So maybe your training wants to simplify a little bit over those times. Um, you know, he, he, his thing was like maybe, maybe you just want to focus – maybe it's more of a mobility focus on that or it's a skill thing. For me, I actually applied it this year and I was like, I'm just going to do strength like barbell stuff. Yeah. Like I'm just going to lift some heavy stuff yep. during the winter because I, don't, I, don't, I want the simplicity. Mm. I don't really want things to be hard in any kind of complicated way. Just eat heaps too. Eat heaps. Don't eat to win. Yeah. Lift to win. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, but and yeah, so I think that's a really relevant one because you can only really do that if you do look ahead and go, oh well, what am I going to be? What what's it like in July? Okay, well, when's spring? Ah, oh, that's in September. Okay, well, maybe we start something new around that time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I dig that for sure. Um, yeah, winter. Fuck. Don't, like, it's not even that cold here. People listening to this fucking in Canada. I don't it's know. fucking cold, but I'm like freezing, bro. I'm from the islands. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, that totally speaks to me, and um, you know, I'll I'll revert back to foundations, foundational training, just some linear strength, just simplifying it, you know. And that that's been my yeah, I like it. That's been my narrative, my story this year is like a lot of my training and programming for myself and everyone else. And this comes definitely, I think, with maturity, like being a coach for so, you know, five years or whatever, and and realizing what they always say like the the foundations if you've got them and you're doing them extremely well everything else will come but yeah this year it's just like yeah i love that winter let's just do foundations and now i'm going to harry i'm like too much foundations bro i gotta i gotta pull you up on something you said there it's fucking cold here in winter and i'll tell you why it's cold here in winter paul because the fucking gym door is open all day long I was chatting with Andrew, <laughs> who's opening Jungle Dublin with Azza, and he was showing me this property they're looking at, and it's like garage, like like warehouse, bit smaller than ours, but warehouse roller door. And I'm like, "What's the deal, man? You keep the roller door open in winter in Ireland, or do you close that shit and have air conditioning on?" He said, "Oh." He goes, "Yeah, I mean, you know, it'd be nice to have the door open, but he said, "Yeah, no, you probably have it closed." <laughs> and I'm like, "That's our fucking problem in Australia. We do not. We we." We have this denial about winter. So we're like, hey, cafes, bifolds, all open. You know, we'll just yeah. put a couple of infrared heaters and everyone's warm. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like we think it's summer here all the time. So we're not, so that makes it cold, even though it's not actually that cold. It's just that we behave like privileged summer kids. Oh, if you go to Canberra, they're privileged. You go to any place in Canberra and it's just a hundred, like it's 30 plus degrees. They've just got the heaters on through winter. You go in there and your face will dry up. Like it's everything is Hit just because, but they got not, doors closed and shit. Like yeah, everything, it's like yeah. warm, but it, it gets to the point where your body can't physically really adapt to being in winter because you have a jacket on. As soon as you leave the house, you're dealing with the cold. You get somewhere else, and you get the slightest breeze, and they just got a flu. Ah, right. Just because just everything is so hot there, mate. I saw I get around that. It's a fucking cold part of town, man. I saw this sick. Um, Thing on the on the net came up and I kind of clicked on it and checked out these fucking people who have made these doors. So our problem is you can't see the gym. People walking past with a closed roller door. It looks closed. Yeah, um, yeah. It's designed like that's the look. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's open so people can see what's going on inside. But there's these people who've made these doors where you can bring your roller door down, and then it's basically a sliding door glass sliding door frame right so what you do is you you can lift up you can you can that's on its own roller like a garage door right so you actually have to have a bunch of shit like in the gym that hangs over the top of the door but you can lift that up or you can bring that down so you can put it away but it basically you'd be able to bring the roller door halfway and have like a strip of a sliding door walk in and out and have glass there all the time Ah, uh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Keep the warmth in. Keep the warmth in. And they'd still be able to see at least half. You wouldn't be able to see Jiu-Jitsu. Did you... Did a few you, different designs. Have you seen... Uh, do you guys remember The Fifth Element? Remember that film? Please. Yeah. yeah. Bitch. Do you remember the scene when uh, Bruce Willis gets a knock at the door and he opens the door? He's got that funny little apartment and he mm. opens the door and he looks in the corridor and it's just the empty corridor. Yeah. And then a guy lifts his head up and points the gun at him and says, Give me the cash! Yeah, you remember that? Yeah. And what the guy has on top of his head, he's wearing like a, like he's got like a strap around his head, and on top of his head is a picture of a the photograph the- of the corridor. <laughs> That's right. So it's like that, uh. and, it, and, and it's so it's so quick. <laughs> that you don't like you know, you're like, oh my god, he's got a picture of the corridor. I can't believe that. on top of his head. It's so the what, funniest. So what you're alluding to is we need to get a really good <laughs> painter to paint a realist painting on front of that. What's with going all in us there? Just like having a great time in there. How sick would yeah, that be? Having smiling. an LED. Have what? you seen those 3D like billboards that they have in Japan at the moment? There's no. like a 3D billboard where you look up at it and they've kind of they've made the graphics considerate of where people are standing. So when you look up. It looks like there is a window inside and there's stuff going on inside. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. On a, on a flat surface, though. Yeah, but it's on a flat surface on the corner. So you're looking up and it looks like a shark tank or Jack White was there doing a gig. It's pretty crazy. We need something like that. That would be... if it, Yeah, and then the <laughs> camera's just on the other side filming what's happening right or now. Or maybe that. That would be... Si- <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's if you haven't idea. seen that scene no. in um, Fifth Element, please go watch it. You know who um, that actor... Uh, that, that plays the gunman mm. That's uh, Matthew Kasovitz Who is yes. a friend of the director Luc Besson Who made that film yeah. But he's the guy that directed La Haine Yes, yes, yeah, yeah Kasovitz. Mad little mad little cameo Yep Awesome Well that's okay. a good That's a good uh, on, that, on that piece about You mentioned before Having mm. a long term view That's yep. another thing that I got on my list here Long term view Yeah, which I think is 
I think is very relevant because it's easy, like for people who are training, it's easy, like if you're in a groove with it, it's easy to to keep doing it. Like it's, you know, you, you obviously have some kind of motivation, self-motivation there. Um, but, and I'm guilty of this myself many times, it's often you're just doing it. You're not, there hasn't been a process of consideration and maybe you actually haven't thought, oh, hey, well, this thing that I want to develop, how long is that actually going to take? Ah, oh, you know, like, like say, oh, I feel pretty tight in the hips. I'm going to start doing some hip mobility. I want to get into that. Without ever really considering, well, wh- how long is it going to take for me to develop my hip mobility to a point that I'm kind of satisfied with? Because when you think about it that way, it's like it's probably going to be 12 to 18 months, you know, as an example. Mm. I think a lot of people are oblivious to that's so true. realities of that. That's so, so true. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. And I guess that's another point will be go get help, right? Um, but if you don't know, and we're, we know, so we're privileged sitting here, and, but you're right, people don't know. Like, for instance, they don't, like, they want to start martial arts, but they don't really know all the hard work that goes into it and what are you talking about when you want martial arts? Like what level do you want to get to? They might not have the deeper understanding of how far they, you know, where they want to get to with it because they haven't kind of tried it yet. But yeah, they wouldn't know mobility or what that would take or strength, how long that would take. So organising how they're going to go about it is is really tough. Shano, having recently taken up jiu-jitsu, have you given any thought to how long you plan to do it for or if there's a point you're trying to get to? I think it's going to – I want to get to the point where I kind of – like maybe a blue belt, just – but maybe I want to go further from there. But I just – I want to understand it more. I want to like un, like understand the movements and – because I used to do – like I started boxing. I used to do kickboxing when I was younger. But that was just more because I love Van Damme. But – Don't we all? I wanted to uh, – I want to take it to I can understand that world enough. Because my main idea about a lot of my exercising is like why I joined here too is because I don't want just one linear approach to exercise. When I become an exercise physiologist, I don't want to just be like one of those guys at the Globo gym is like, yep, bad knee, knee extension machine or something like that just to like work one singular muscle. I want to like know all these other realms. So I'm just like, I want to kind of taste each pie. That's why it's my ideology is kind of, kind of a disadvantage in a sense where I kind of want to try all these things but it's also going to, they don't really kind of amalgamate into one satisfying program. But so then, that being the case, are you saying you're not necessarily concerned with getting particular results with all of those things beyond a familiarity? Yeah. With the, with the methodology of each? Well, to, do, to a degree. I think, um, like, an understanding of like a lot of things is where my main approaches but it makes like if you understand how hard something is it makes you a good coach like if you've gone through the ringer like a handstand starting handstands handstands are like one of my least favorite things at the start to start because they're very boring like it's not like with like lifting you get that after after like just when you're a body when i was a bodybuilder you go and you train and you just feel like happy you'd feel the pump but after handstands you're like oh that's hard because i've given like little like little uh programs to friends who are like oh i want to start handstanding after seeing a video i'm like oh do this and it's just like frontline, backline drills and all this other stuff. And they're like, I did it. They do it like once and they're like, okay, yeah, no, thank you. So when am I going to do a handstand? Like, mate, <laughs> go against the wall for a while, like a long time. And then maybe it'll free handstand, free standing one. So yeah. true. I, I ripped on, uh, I had to take Chloe's handstand class on Wednesday. She had to take the dog to the vet. So I got dropped into this handstand class and Nicole Stamo was just back from 
her holiday and we were doing the, the drills and we got to the second round of front backline body drills and she was, you know, she's pretty colourful with her language and she's interrupting the whole time, God bless. And she was like, what, two rounds? She was like, I was firing back the whole time. I had to. I had to defend my position as the coach in the room. Must. Um, and she was like, two rounds? Oh, this is supposed to be fun. And I was like, <laughs> I did the did the, the power pose and I went, ah, 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 ah. You have been completely... Like misguided right there <laughs> Handstands If you don't want to get any results And play around a bit That's fun Getting an actual handstand Is not fun at all Let me tell you all It was yeah. a really funny moment Because I just kept going with it from there I was like <laughs> it's not fucking fun What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah Ido famously called it the, Or he said the one arm handstand Is the sausage factory and he said, everyone loves eating sausages until they take a tour of the sausage factory and see how they're made. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Oh, that's Jesus a great analogy. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's brutal. Wrists are sore. Your fucking, yeah. your balance it's is off. not satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> Each no. session is not satisfying. But I mean, you know, you know, well, maybe not the case with all aspects of training, but it, I really think that's a, that is a, a, a truth of any style of training. Like the process is is not fun necessarily on the micro level. I don't enjoy every set of the bent over rows and fucking push-ups that I did today. A lot of them I just wanted to move on and go get breakfast and start my day, but it's like, no, I've got to do four sets of each of these and, you know. And but the the more macro view is I'm really glad I did my workout today. I feel better for that. Mm-hmm. And I'll enjoy the weekend more cuz I trained consistently this week. Mm. And I I do think that 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 is sometimes misunderstood by people who are maybe looking who 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 have the goal or the desire to become fit and healthy and start making movement a part of their life because they assume that when maybe when they look at our instagram or something like that that you love every moment of it and it's like nah that that you 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 find a way to love the process but it doesn't mean that every minute is enjoyable and I think with the start of like a lot of things, with like if you have like a a, a la, like a long training age that we do, you and you've tried different skills and stuff, you understand that from the from the start, it's like you're okay. The start's going to be a bit boring, like oh, but you kind of like you're finding it, and you're kind of loving it a bit. You're like, oh, what's this thing? And this is going to do this, and you kind of analyze it in that way. That's how I keep going if I analyze it in that sense. But if you have like a really young training age, you haven't done many skills or anything, you kind of see it as just a, a, a like a, a um, it's a hill It's like a constant hill And you don't know What's at the top of the hill Yeah If you haven't Like like you said Maybe like You haven't achieved something Or gone so far In any one of those disciplines You're kind of It's a bit of a hill With no promise at the end That's when you're really Starting out That's it Yeah But um Yeah It makes me think Yeah I'm About myself What you said is so true Um About not enjoying it Every session For sure and not wanting to do it, like that's still there. But somehow, and to what you said, it was like I'm at that point where I'm actually more connected and honest with myself about the goals that I want. So if that excites me, I can't wait till Christmas, pretty much. Like I'm thinking about fucking where I'm going to be at Christmas. I read that program and I, that I've just gotten and I don't like it at all, but I'm, I'm excited because I'll never have – the part of the reason why – I, I took this just because I actually wanted to pull a bit more out of myself too. Um, yeah. So I'm like excited to wear it. I see it and I'm like, fuck, if I do this for four weeks, I'm going to be better than where I've been in the last how many years? You know what I mean? Mm. 
Yeah, I think, um, and that that idea of like you said just now, it's a hill that you got to climb, mm. and the less experience or the less natural ability you have in that particular aspect of training, the greater the like the greater the climb of that hill. Yeah, and I think that speaks to this chasing down multiple goals in multiple different realms. Mm. Potentially, if you don't have as much going on in your life, like you're in your 20s and you've got less responsibilities, maybe. Not that that's necessarily the case for you, but uh, if that is, then you can give a lot of bandwidth to your training. Yeah, yeah. But you've kind of only got so much bandwidth in total. So I I think for, yeah, for people who are like busy and maybe have competing commitments like family or work, those sorts of things, it's very hard to be that person that's chasing down a lot of goals in training and that's where this simplification piece often comes into it mm. yeah that's what it kind of i've made mine go around too is like there's another aspect of it it's just not because exercise isn't necessarily my priority now it's like studying i need to have my brain needs to work at 100 percent capacity for studying and then what's left goes into my training so i don't train anymore in the mornings because if my brain has is just like sleepy i'm not gonna be able to do anything so like my mornings is like training uh is learning till about two o'clock that's why you always see me about two o'clock i'll wander on in a bit dopey and you ask what i've been learning and i say a bunch of random words and i don't even know what they mean yet <laughs> i remember when you made the switch yeah <laughs> you made the switch from the mornings to the avos yeah. you're like yeah was, just, was that nice yeah yeah it was just killing him it was killing him so much better because I, I just i would train in the mornings gas myself out and go in to study and just I would be uh, I'd be listening to stuff and they're like no oh, this is the cranial nerves that you'll have to learn from the optical and on through this I'm like oh, what what are you talking about <laughs> I make a pop tart right now yeah yes. <laughs> then, then procrastination comes into it because then I'm weary and then I see that I get angsty and I'm like okay I'm gonna go do something and then it just the whole day is just kind of procrastinating because I can't effectively get into that kind of flow state zone that I'm, what I'm learning so I've just used a lot of that energy mm-hmm. for training I really like the word that you use bandwidth and I use it in different areas but that one's going to stick with me now because it's effectively what I see that we do as coaches you know for someone that comes in you, you ask all these questions about their lifestyle and you're really trying to get to how much bandwidth do they have? They're telling me they've got this goal. And then, but my analysis is that your bandwidth, and maybe we can make a bandwidth rating. Mm, yeah. And be like, your bandwidth is here. So, how much and can they give so me? So much can you give? Yeah. Before it starts taxing on their life and then they stop adhering as much. Exactly. Because then it kind of, it, you'll lose, like, you'll lose a client. They will lose training just because it's a bit too much for them to lose, stick lose. to. Lose, lose. Yeah. yeah. But it's so true because that's what you're looking at and that's what we do. We, we're like, okay, well, they're not going to be able to see this through. So how am I going to tell them that? And, you you know, you have to build the program and let them know that we're going to do this first and actually you won't be able – you need the rest here. And, yeah, but bandwidth is a really good way to, to think about it. And that's what I'm like, Harry, I don't have the bandwidth. I've got four 90 minutes that I can give you. And then, like I said, he give me heaps of stuff. He's like four three-hour blocks, no worries. Pretty much, no. <laughs> yeah, and it's. I think it's. Um, it's very easy to get bad quality data in that conversation with a new person at the gym thing, because most people aren't really considerate of what bandwidth they have. Mm. And going back to the like 
the goals thing and all that, people will usually tell you what you want to hear. So, I mean, it's very rare that you get someone who comes in that's like, man, I'm really fucking busy out there. I can only get in here twice a week, you know, versus, oh, um, you know, because there's a desire to please. So how often can you get in here? Oh, I, I can get here most afternoons. Yeah, while in their head they're like, oh, I just if I can get grandparents to pick up so-and-so and, so and then I can organise it. You know, it's like the system has to be easy. It, like if there's all these moving parts and little levers and switches you've got to pull to just to get to the gym, as much as you're saying, it's probably not going to be sustainable. Uh, but so I find that being able to, well, I guess what I've always found the best way is there and here's a practical tip for maybe someone that's considering this for themselves, I find it easier to start with the minimum dose. And we, we use this for the gym, don't we? Like for someone who's busy coming in, like want to start at the gym, not currently in an exercise habit, what do you recommend? We might say, hey, just get here twice a week. Just get in here twice. That's, that's your win for the first month. And then it's like, all right, let's get a third session a week. And three sessions a week, now you're making results with your training. You could sit on that forever and, you know, get value from it. Um, it's like a build on success model rather than exactly yeah rather than starting high and then failing hitting your parameters and finding where your parameters are it's like build on it yeah Yeah. your body will love that slow adaptation too there's like two classes a week and you're like you get a little bit of gain and you're liking it's like this the straight arm and the bent arm perfect just one of those one of those one day and the next later in the week and then just add another two sessions when you get one and then in a couple of months or a month and then another one there's no rush i think that's what my main thing was i always would want to rush something I'd always get into too much. That's how I started getting injured when I was younger, just because I wanted to do it all and do it hard. Yeah, well, it's a, I guess it's yeah, it's kind of the curse of being go getter. I love that. That's the quote. <laughs> I wanted to do it all and do it hard. <laughs> hard in capitals. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how, what, what was the extent of your bodybuilding training? Um, oh, I started when I was nineteen, and then through till about twenty-five. So I got to about 113 kilos in a bulking phase and just shredded it. And like, I, that was just the worst feeling. What are you now? Uh, about, I weighed myself and it was about 98. Okay. But that's, that's because in my bodybuilding phase too, I was also badly trained in training legs. That's how I got my back injured. So, yeah. so now I'm training legs properly and that's where I, like a lot of weight in my lower body is putting it on. So now I'm on normal weight for a tall boy. Yeah, right. What is your height? 6'4". Uh, Decent. That's just your shoulder width as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see a picture of that 113. Oh, chubby boy. I'll find it back in my football days too. Yeah, bring it up. I want to see it. Yeah. That'll be the podcast picture. <laughs> <laughs> did no, you no, do no. like, did you, did you want to engage in bodybuilding as a sport? No. Like no. it wasn't it about was, competition. It was just like, I just label it as bodybuilding because that was like, I would say weightlifting, but now weightlifting is more attributed to like Olympic lifting if I'm being technical, but yep. just like pure, just like isolating exercises, chest days, leg days. Love it. Leg days really happened. I was, I was training a, a mate today, jujitsu guy, um, helping him with some mobility stuff. And I, I, you know, he's like, Oh, you know, I go to the gym and do my strength stuff. You know, he's, he's a fit dude. Um, He's 41 and uh, he does like bodybuilding style training at the gym um, three to four days a week and he's very consistent with it. And I asked him how long he's been doing it for. He's been doing it since he's a teenager. And I'm like, man, like you've been – and I'm like, has it changed? He's like, not really. I just do the same stuff. Like 
I'm like, holy shit. You've been kind of just following the same groove for like three quarters of your life. What is that? 15 years? 17 years? Something like that? No. 20, yeah, more. Someone else do the math. <laughs> but it's a long time. fucking time, which, you know, whatever. Like, you know, there's, there is a beauty in simplicity. Yeah. And you can do that too. Like, that's amazing in itself. Like, that long, just doing the same thing. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's no joke. Is but, he stiff? Yeah, he's stiff as fuck. Well, no, he's actually terrible. He's just got a, his, his hips need a little bit of work. Okay. It's really just his hip rotation. I think once he nails that, he'll be fine. But, um, yeah, it's just interesting, right? And so he came in here and, and he kind of just wanted some help. So I started giving him some insights and kind of highlighting some of the concepts. Like, hey, man, what about, you know, this relationship between strength and flexibility and maybe stuff that you're doing is not helping you with this. But if you added a bit of it and he's like, fuck, like he's like, thanks, man. Like, you know, I could see that a lot of it was he had quite a few light bulb moments here. Yeah. And it's really, obviously really satisfying when you can do that for someone. But it, it's also shocking or maybe a little bit, I don't know, maybe a little bit disappointing when you think, oh, there's so many people that would really benefit from knowing that that I'll never speak to. That mm. will never find this style of training or potentially never speak with a coach or a person that has the perspectives that 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 our people have here. Because it's you could ask most people in our gym and they would pretty much share what we're saying today. That's why you need to become the mega influencer, Joe, and have a million followers. I'm just waiting for the fucking algorithm to pick me up. Yeah. Any day no, now. I'm ready to be, to get carried happen. in on this tidal wave Speak to the masses. of influence. I tried this week. Did you see my post? Yeah, yeah, he did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. Our algorithm didn't pick you up? No, I got a few likes. Dogs. But, um, you know, <laughs> honestly, I was like, people are not going to know. People don't know. People they're don't. missing out. But yeah, they're missing out. I get out. to see you guys every day, so... I'm loving it. But well, yeah. Out, right. yeah. yeah, that was a great post about Jackie Mayo. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Dude's strong anyway. He lifted nah. almost double body weight for three reps um, with a trap bar. But yeah, just shy of it. How long has he been training with you for? Six weeks. Look at that. Claim it all. All of Claim it. Claim it all. But <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's trap bar. It's, it's good. I wanted to add just to the um, this idea of uh, like a program, like following a plan. Mm. I think we touched on it a bit at the start, but um, what I think is really important to remember is that like like so say for you, you're a coach, you're here at the gym, you're a, you're a leader of this community, and it's your job to stay at the forefront of the training that this gym is is programming for the mm. people that come here, mm. and with that responsibility comes. Uh, the 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 need for you to constantly be learning and practicing new things mm. and discovering new ways of developing the body so that you can then dish it out, slang it to the people. Um, the <laughs> exercise <dealer. laughs> pusher, yeah. yeah. So the so like say for you then yeah having a program from Harry seeking coach like that it's really important. Um, but at a at a more basic level for the everyday person. If you come to a gym like ours or you go to a, a half-decent CrossFit gym, not, uh, not most franchise gyms don't do this kind of thing, but you can be confident there that you're following a program as well. It's a group program. It's designed for a collection of people, but it's still a program. It's still been designed, hopefully, by someone that has more of an idea than you and they have an outcome or outcomes in mind. 
and it's designed to be progressive in some manner over a, a, a duration of time. So instead of like just showing up to the gym and bashing out whatever, and I would say if you go to one of those group style gyms and it's just like random kind of workouts, that's a red flag because there's no real consideration over the longer term. But generally for the good ones, then you are following a program, which is great because you just show up three times a week and don't have to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, when you were saying that, I was thinking about my buddy who has a, uh, a PT at Anytime Fitness. And um, I think it's great because he's been consistently training as opposed to not tra- doing any training at all. But it's a bodybuilding split. And now he's not with that PT anymore, but he's got the program. And it's just like at a bit more weight. My friend's so tight and stuff like that. Like he, he doesn't need to just continue to do this. His deadlift's like heavier than mine and everything, but he's just, it's not well thought out. And I guess I just thought, like beyond having a progressive program and there's stuff in there that that we know that regular people don't know, it's also like I like for the, especially for our members, we're also keeping in mind like there's a good philosophy behind the whole thing. So we're like we're not just slanging one part of training. We're slanging a bit of mobility, a bit of strength, a bit of skill, a bit of body weight, and so in looking for that place that does progressive training for the general person who needs to be healthy and well-rounded and not injured, etc., it's good that you find one of those key places that you spoke of that also look at the bigger picture, the whole picture. That makes sense? Yeah, fucking hope that makes sense. Mm. Boys, thanks for the chat today. Shane, thanks oh, for worry. joining us, bro. No worries, thanks for having me. How Was that your first podcast experience? Yeah, it's first mic experience. I guess why I keep talking away from it because I don't know how it works. <laughs> it's getting in my face. How was it? Yeah, it was good. I liked it. We just started talking and then just moseyed on into it. Provided a bit of fashion talk. Bit of water. Bit of fashion bit talk. Of fashion bit of fashion talk. talk. A good halfer. Yeah. yeah. Hard. The nice cloudy botany water. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Taste the chlorine. It's great. Mate, Ledge. Oh, actually, that was a funny story I heard on Huberman. Did you listen to Huberman on Joe Rogan? No, I didn't. I have done in the past. I, I, liked, I liked that. It was a really good episode. Um, Huberman's a fucking cool guy. He's I really. Cool. But he was saying he's always been a science geek. And yep. he said, um, he's like, man, he goes, I'll tell you stories. Like, I'm kind of I'm embarrassed to tell this. But he goes, when I was a kid, there used to be a fair that he'd go to, like every whatever, so often. Um, and there's some game they used to have at fairs where you, like, have to shoot something or whatever. And if you, you, if you win it, the prize is a goldfish in a cup. So he goes, at that, at that stall, they would have all these cups of water with goldfish in them ready to give out as prizes. And he goes, but I knew because I was a science geek. He was like five or seven or something. He's like, I knew that they were using um, tap water and the tap water had chlorine, chlorine in it and that those goldfish were going to die in about 24 <laughs> hours. So he goes, so, so what I would do is I'd get my mum to take me to the shop and he'd buy like, uh, like anti-declaw or something and he would go to the fair and he would hang out at the stall and he would wait for the other kids who had, who had won a goldfish and then he would say, hey, that goldfish is going to die unless you put some of this declaw in it. I don't want to charge you for it, but if you want my declaw, you have to stand here and listen to me tell you about why the declaw is important. <laughs> <laughs> what a geek. He's like, he's like, if they listen to my lecture, then they get the declaw. What a geek. Oh, like, fuck, that's so funny. Because he's all about, um, he's all about sharing and he's like, I just feel all I want to do is share scientific knowledge with the world. And he goes, I've always wanted to do, like that was what he was doing then. Yeah, it was quite, quite sweet. Man, he's a, he's a, he's a big person. 
he's a good person to have he's making great. podcasts. He's so great. Makes science more accessible for people. He makes it more exciting. That's why like, I like a lot of his stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He, he can dumb it down. And he seems pretty cool. Yeah. He trains. He trains. So he he's got that training perspective to his guests and his science and everything that he does. Yeah. He even has the ability to make a podcast with Edo interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that one went, it went a little sideways. What did Edo say? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to try to answer any of your questions, but I hope we can raise some good discussions or something. No. <laughs> um, thank you for joining. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, bro. Guys, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Peace.